Hello, welcome to this MLEX podcast. You'll have noticed that we've been off the air for a while, but we're back now with a weekly podcast which we plan to drop into your feed on Friday morning GMT. I'm James Paniki from MLEX's Asia-Pacific team, and I'll be your host, and every week we'll be chatting with MLEX journalists around the world about the biggest stories of the week. And for more of the very best of MLEX's writing, head straight for mlexmarketinsight.com and click on the Insight Centre tab. Now, you don't need me to tell you that the COVID-19 pandemic has wreaked regulatory havoc across the globe as the agencies responsible for reviewing mergers and acquisitions face problems on two fronts. Firstly, there are the technical obstacles. Officials working from home may struggle to gain access to the material they need to do their job. Merging companies and interested parties may also struggle to provide regulators with information. But then there's the coronavirus's impact on the markets. How can you assess whether a deal would reduce competition in a market that no longer exists because it has been caught up in the lockdown. Joining me today from Rome is Flavia Fortes, MLEX's Global Head of Mergers, and Natalie McNellis, our mergers correspondent in Brussels. Flavia, first off, how are things going for merger control in the US at the moment? In the US, the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice are doing their best to cope with the new normal, which has most of the staff working remotely. There's an electronic system in place that has been accepting filings on a regular basis, but uh, the notifications are down uh, 60% in in this first quarter. At the beginning, they also had suspended the early termination of the deadline for merger reviews, but they have uh, already been restored. It's definitely uh, an unprecedented situation, though, and, and that has slow companies' responses to document requests and also the staff's ability to get information from third parties. So, so we're definitely seeing some slowdown in that sense. And as you know, in the U.S., uh, every time uh, the agencies challenge a, a transaction, they have to bring it to court. So we're also uh, expecting some disruptions and preparations for trial on challenge deals. Uh, also, we've been hearing that companies that are on the verge of signing divestiture agreements uh, in an effort to close a deal are now uh, held off, while others there are continuing the antitrust process um, normally, but they're pushing the merger back by weeks, uh, if not sometimes longer. And in spite of all of this, though, government agencies have been keeping busy. Is that right? Yeah, so the FTC, there has been an increased level of activity, actually, in the past 16 weeks. There has been 15 public actions uh, with the commission voting out on seven complaints challenging deals. Another two transactions have been abandoned during the investigation without any complaints being issued. And also three merger complaints uh, with settlements were voted out by the commission. And we saw just last week the FTC cleared AbbVie's $63 billion acquisition of Allergan without conditions, uh, with conditions, excuse me. So while we're not seeing much impact in this late-stage reviews, um, where most of the work has already been done by staff, transactions that recently received a request for additional information are definitely going to see some slowdown. And China's situation is a little different, though, with the regulator, the State Administration for Market Regulation, SAMR, Uh, continuing its merger control work, albeit with with, with some limitations, without the in-person meetings, for example. Yes, that has led to some inconvenience. The agency is allowing parties to submit responses to information requests by email or by post, 
which means reduced time and cost compared to before when physical paperwork had to be filed in person at the Beijing uh, head office. However, the suspension of in-person meetings has caused delays for the parties and their legal representatives that were hoping to meet uh, with the Chinese investigators. So, for instance, it's taking more time for them to file requests and set up a conference call with officials for pre-merge notification meetings, uh, where usually they're discussing some issues such as market definition and whether the transaction needs to be notified. And in Brazil, on paper at least, things are moving forward, right? Yes, the Brazilian agency says that they're conducting business as usual and they haven't postponed any ruling sessions, which are now all virtual. But some commissioners are cautioning that the agency uh, should be careful about issuing uh, pandemic-related decisions to avoid undesirable lasting effects in the market, such as unwanted market structures in, in the medium to the long term. Okay, this brings us to Europe, uh, Natalie. There are some agencies that have decided to stop merger investigations altogether. Uh, Where do you go from there? How do you deal with that? Well, I do think that uh, this was a big system uh, shock, I think, all around the world. And, you know, uh, the agencies weren't accustomed to working uh, remotely. And the, the commission and all of, you know, in, in Europe, we have 27 uh, different uh, member states. We have the UK as well, and each one with their own authority. And so we've seen different uh, um, systems coping in different ways, let's say. And, for example, I think uh, the uh, UK, which has a voluntary system, has pretty much stayed on track. They've asked that people hold off on making notifications if they can, but they're still handling cases um, and they haven't suspended any deadlines. Meanwhile, you have countries like France, uh, Italy, and uh, Denmark. Those are some good examples who have said, look, we are, we're going to throw in the towel for the moment. We're going to stop the presses and we're going to um, and we're just going to take a, a a pause, hit the pause button, because we are, and this is what uh, Denmark said, they said, we're concerned that in these situations, we can't make good decisions, because we just don't have the time, and we don't have the input. So there are, two, there are different philosophies about whether you want to sort of try to keep things um, rolling, or whether you want to try to take a take a pause and uh, and let things work themselves out. And Natalie, what about at a European level? What's the uh, European Commission doing? I think also the European Commission. It was a it was a a bit uh, confusing in the beginning how they would would manage, and they asked to, right off the bat for everyone to please uh, not make notifications if they could uh, hold off. Um, but they haven't suspended any deadlines, and they have been coping. Um, for example, with simple cases, they continue operating normally. You see simplified mergers going through, getting cleared. You see them taking a few uh, full-form notifications and managing with them. But then when you look at the complicated cases, we have three of our in-depth investigations are suspended and they've been suspended for the entire duration. So, you know, there's definitely cracks uh, in the system. And I think they're also being cautious about pushing through decisions that aren't uh, very well-based. Flavia, in the US, uh, there has also been an attempt to limit merger reviews. Can you talk about that? Yes, as lockdowns began in March, different ideas emerged from antitrust enforcers for potential congressional action on mergers. So, for example, the US Federal Trade Commission Democrat Rohit Chopra said that Congress should stop the shot clock on deals 
during the national emergency so that officials could have enough time to investigate and challenge bad transactions. Since then, the House Antitrust Panel Chairman David Cicilline called for a merger moratorium, urging that the next COVID-19 relief package include language that prohibits corporate mergers uh, unless they involve a company that's severely distressed. Senator um, Elizabeth Warren and Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez also proposed a bill um, to halt risky mergers until the FTC determines that consumers, uh, small businesses and workers are no longer under financial distress. And will that call for uh, a merger moratorium, is that likely to become law? The call for a merger moratorium likely won't become law uh, as it requires broader political support. And the merger freeze was not included in the $3 trillion COVID-19 relief package that, that was proposed by House Democrats. We could see, however, some tweaks and, and potential congressional action to delay review timelines or make other more limited tweaks uh, that could find some bipartisan support in Congress. One potential tweak could include allowing the agencies to obtain quick preliminary injunctions to stop uh, deals while they finish the investigations or also limit companies uh, in in their use of the bailout money. The DOJ's request for more time is the kind of idea that's more likely to gain um, momentum on the Hill uh, rather than a wholesale ban. Natalie, for those uh, regulators who haven't thrown in the towel, so excluding France, Denmark and Italy from this part of the conversation, what kind of impact is the pandemic having on uh, the ability to deal with M&A cases? Yeah, it's very difficult. The the merger review process is necessarily sort of, uh, it looks at the past and it requires a lot of uh, input from parties. So the parties are in there are basically in the driver's seat and they can they can gather and prepare their notification. So I think that part of the of the system isn't much affected because the parties are the ones who put together their uh, initial sort of application. But once the commission gets that uh, notification, they need to get feedback from the market players. Um, they ask the the experts, you know, those who are playing on the market, you know, can you explain to us what you think about how this works? And they send 50-page questionnaires. And right now, for a company to receive a 50-page uh, questionnaire with detailed questions can be really difficult for them to deal with. They're, you know, they're also working from home. They don't have access to their files. They can't discuss uh, very easily. All of that means delays. And uh, the commission has said, you know, look, if it's a case where we really need to have feedback from the market, this is going to really be a, a big logistical challenge for us. Well, how do they how do they manage that challenge, assuming they don't get the information that they need to be able to process these applications? Where do they take it? Where do they go from there? Well, that really that really puts the question, you know, very starkly. What is the commission has very strict deadlines in the first phase? They have to make a decision within 25 working days. So you can imagine they they get a notification, they send out their requests uh, for input, and if the company takes uh, two weeks to reply, they have a big problem. And the question is, in that situation. Can they go ahead and make a decision on the basis of the maybe pretty paltry information that they have, or should they or should they hold off? So far, 
they have they say that they have managed to get enough information to support their decisions but you know you wonder in a more complicated case whether that's going to be whether that's really going to be possible and you've recently written about the air canada transat deal um, and we will link uh, to that uh, piece um, on our website what does that tell us about the regulatory review process and what lies ahead uh, given the impact of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic? I mean, I think that is a case we're watching very closely because I think it really puts the dilemma uh, right, uh, you know, right in your face that you say, what exactly are they going to do with this airline case? And it's a, that is the merger of Air Canada with its Canadian rival Transat. And they have, they've sent out the regular old 50-page uh, questionnaire, which asks questions like, you know, who flies on these routes? Uh, who, which kind of passengers are active on those routes? Is it business passengers? Is it leisure travelers? And you ask yourself, okay, everybody's planes are grounded right now, and nobody knows who is going to survive this crisis and what kind of person is going to be flying and when they're going to start flying again. And you ask yourself, how can they answer these questions right now? So we're watching that one closely to see what happens, because I can't imagine that the that the commission can get uh, the kind of input that it needs to make a solid decision. Flavia, in China, the regulator actually made some changes to assist with the fight against COVID-19 and help the country's economy to return to normal. That sounds a bit unusual for a competition regulator. What was that all about? Uh, that's true. The State Administration for Market Regulation has promised image trust exemptions and speedy merger reviews for transactions. So, for example, they're exempting cooperation agreements between operators involving ep epidemic control and resumption of production. Exemption will be granted to those agreements beneficial to technological progress, improvements in efficiency, and the pursuit of public interest and consumer interests. So, for example, uh, technologies in developing new products in the fields of medicines, uh, vaccines, testing, medical devices, and protective equipment. Uh, some cooperation agreements that improve the efficiency and the comp competitiveness of small and medium-sized enterprises will also be offered immunity. Um, SAMR also established an express merge review channel for sectors closely associated with epidemic control and the people's daily livelihoods, including pharmaceuticals, medical equipment, and device manufacturing. Uh, it said it also to speed up assessments for industry hit hard by the virus outbreak, such as catering, hospitality, and tourism, and also for operators that are merging now out of intention to resume work and production. Natalie, in the EU, companies can also seek exemptions for mergers, uh, such as using the failing firm defence when a company uh, effectively says that its competitor was going out of business, it was going to ex exit the market anyway, so any acquisition wouldn't have too much of an impact. Are those kinds of tools an option in this climate? I think it, the failing firm defence is something that we're, we're hearing raised a lot more often now than than we have in recent years. It's a it's a defence which has been very difficult to, to win on uh, in the EU. It's only a, in a few instances that it's actually managed to, to win. And they've said, the Commission's reaction has said, they've said, look, we're not changing the failing firm defence. It's going to be just as strict as it ever was. That's their reaction to COVID. But the reality is that right now, the companies may have the facts that they didn't have before. They may actually be able to prove that they are in dire uh, straits. 
And I think if you look, uh, we just recently had uh, the UK uh, clear a deal on the basis of a failing firm uh, logic, and that was the Amazon's uh, takeover of Deliveroo in the UK. And they said, you know, they were really looking carefully at that case because they thought Amazon might have entered that market on its own. So they were kind of reluctant to accept that it would take over Deliveroo. But once COVID hit, they said, look, uh, okay, things have changed. Deliveroo is, is going down and we better let this deal go through. Flavia, our Brazilian uh, correspondents have been filing on these types of issues. What is their sense? How is this conversation playing out in Brazil at the moment? Yeah, so in Brazil, there's also discussion about the use of a filling firm argument. Um, the debate is whether it could be used by itself to approve a merger, and that has never been used before. The, the filling firm defense uh, has been used in conjunction with other defenses in the past, uh, but not by itself. So there's an understanding that Kaji's role is, you know, it's still the same with the pandemic. So it's it's not really about saving companies, but whether the exit of certain company from the market could affect competition. Flavia, Natalie, it's been great talking. Let's speak again very soon. Thank you very much, James. Thank you, James. It's been a pleasure. Flavia Fortis is MLEX's Global Head of Mergers and Natalie McNellis is one of our mergers correspondents in Brussels. For more MLEX content, you can head to our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com and head for the Insight Centre tab. I'm James Panicki, Asia-Pacific Senior Editor. We'll be back next week at more or less the same time. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Bye for now. Bye for now.